Welcome to episode 725 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 725 of I Am Talk of Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? I'm great, Bevan. How about you? He's, he's taking about 20 minutes to sort himself out. He's oh. uncomfortable. He keeps moving the mic around. Yeah. So you ready? No, 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 ready. I'm, I'm ready now. You ready? I'm ready to go. Okay. Show 725. Let's kick it off. Do you, do you want to do the weather update? It's raining and it's been raining since this time last week. I think it was Wednesday was last warm day, wasn't it? No. Was it, or was it before that? I think it was Tuesday. before that. And I think we had, what, seven hours of sunlight in the last sunshine in yeah. the last... What's even more frustrating is we're sitting here in the rain, and you look out Bevan's window and you can see the mountains, the Southern Alps. Yeah. Beautiful, clear blue sky over there, but it's going to rain here all day. Yeah. Anyway, nothing about the weather. Yeah, people love the weather, John. <laughs> Talk is Bradley brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. And we've got Roland Chatter, No Holds Barred. Tony, don't be afraid of your dreams, West. Nice. And we've got Stuart, Madness Method Milne. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview with who, John? Sky Munch. Munch, yes, you got that right. She taught us, she said to us, just think of launch. Yeah. Uh, launch, launch, that works well. Website of the week, wing of the week, and questions and answers at the end. Okay, there was nearly a race happening over the weekend. This was bizarre, Bevan. This is you bizarre. Uh, I was sitting there, in America. Yeah, I was sitting there on, I think it was Wednesday over here. It may have even been Thursday. And I saw, it was Nick Morales actually posted Oh, good old Nick. How's Nick at one day? Nick works with, uh, he goes on a lot of trips with endurance sports travel. Lovely guy. And uh, he posted, the, 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 this race is happening. I was like, is that in America? And, and it was, was it in Ironman 70.3? 70.3 in uh, Texas. Lubbock. Lubbock in Texas and it was scheduled to go ahead last week and it was going ahead until around about Wednesday when things really started kicking off a bit more with regards to COVID and it got cancelled but they were ready to go earlier well, that week which well, was bizarre Speaking from someone outside of America looking in it seems to be that some states were quite defiant around we're fine this isn't that bad and some of those states like Texas are kind of in the deep end right now unfortunately which is horrible mm. Um Crazy to think they're thinking they're going to get a race ahead. Yeah, so I had I, when I did the show, I thought, oh, chuck that in the show notes. We might have a result to talk about, but we don't, unfortunately. So we have to talk about this weekend last year. President, so just on this, was it irresponsible of Ironman to think that they could still be putting this race on up till the Wednesday before the race? Uh, I think so, very much so. Because like for a lot of people, you pull out five days before a race, mm. it's a big commitment to those people. Now, I wonder how many people are planning to turn up anyway. I would imagine it would just be locals mostly, but yeah, but yeah I, I do agree. Yeah, interesting. So this time last year, we had Ironman Germany, and it was the big showdown between the big, not just German athletes, but the athletes of the world at this, this current time. You had uh, Jan Fredino, Patrick Langer, and uh, Sebastian Keenlay, three of the big dudes going head-to-head, and... The end race was a bit of a fizzle, wasn't it? Well, yes and no. Um, Ke- uh, certainly Langer was. Um, he's never going to win Kona again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fantastic. I, I, he's the most beautiful runner I think I've ever seen running past me in Kona. And uh, and love. 
amazing. He's won it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Frodo... Uh, I get no respect. Get no respect. <laughs> Frodo ended up winning. But what, there was a few interesting stories of the day on both the men's and the female's side because uh, Keenlay was coming off the bike with Frodo and he had this... People remember, he made this big piece of glass in his foot. That's He'd ridden right. the whole way around and it came out and it wasn't just like a little tack or anything. Yeah. When they pulled out, that was legit. And he still got off the bike and put in a legitimate run in extremely difficult conditions so he ran a 247 uh, Frodo ran a 243 so you got to say that even if he hadn't had that glass there he's probably not going to match Frodo on the run but still a noteworthy performance John, uh, second place this is how good the Germans are who's the third guy Franz Loski, uh, he he rides a cube bike, so that's why he did so well. Uh, yeah, Germans one, two, three, four. But, but I don't think I've ever heard of him, and he pulls off a bloody, you know, a third in Germany. I have a feeling that might have been his first Ironman. He's done quite a bit of seventy point three. Uh, so that was the, side, uh, the story on the men's side Patrick Langer did finish but he ran a 302 off, off a 448 bike to finish in the eleventh place. Gee, that's an average bike. So was he sick or something? Because um, that's an remember. average bike when you look at the Fredino, Keenlay. Oh, no, that's a terrible crap bike, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, not, obviously, not, he just plodded the run. Yeah, so not quite sure what was going on there. Uh, and then the females race was fantastic. You'll hear a bit of a blow-by-blow blow later on in our interview with uh, Sky, um, but she ended up taking out the race in 9.15.31, ahead of Imogene Simons and Jen Arnett. Uh in third place but the story of the day was when Sarah True collapsed with a big lead with only about a K to go and uh, she was KO'd there was uh, no amount of determination that was going to get her to the finish line it was Did you all watch over it? Rover. Uh, I wasn't watching it live I don't think but I've certainly watched it and it's one of those disturbing ones that you don't really want to watch when yeah. somebody the world, completely loses it but there was who like remember in the marathon at the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast and there was the guy who was winning and he just and it was getting dangerous because he was literally like head banging. The, he tried to stand up and he head banged the cyberpunk. Yeah. Was it like that? Was, oh, so her totally intent was like there. She still wanted to keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, she was in completely in la-la land. And you could see her going through the aid stations, the prior aid stations, and she wasn't even taking on anything there. So she couldn't even couldn't even comprehend that she was in that space to actually go, well, let's just calm down and try to slow down. And That's take a big water fail. Imagine if she could have just 1K. You know, she went out for 1K. Imagine if she kind of hit the you know, comprehension in her head to kind of go, okay, just stop at the stage station. You're winning by seven minutes. Give yourself two or three minutes, eat some food, and then just plod home, you know, like. Yeah, so that was, and, and, and as you're going to hear later on, it was it's not the first time it's happened, and, but it was coming off a really strong cone of the, the previous year. So she can handle the heat, but in two instances last year, she certainly was not able to, which is unfortunate. And they were back-to-back too, because I mean, Ken's was just not long before that six weeks, wasn't it? Mm. Okay, we have some virtual racing held um, on the Lake Placid course over the weekend, a 3K run, a 40K bike, and then a 10K run. Uh, John, we're going to do some age groupers, are we? We certainly will do some age groupers. Um, So this was the last of the current round of races. So they had four events that were counting towards qualifying for a so-called 70.3 World Championships, which probably isn't going to be happening. No. Uh, but anyway, it was it was a sort of a series of four and it had points associated with it to find out who was a champion. So irrespective of qualifying, you could still call yourself the, the champion of the series. Uh, the points were allocated. It was 100 points for a win if you were doing the, the, in the half event 
half iron distance race they had uh, and then for the 70 point th- for the Olympics it was half those points so last weekend we had uh, 1450 finishes it was <laughs> almost only a 50% finish rate based on entry, people entries yeah. so they had 2915 people sign up this is for the championship race they have plenty plenty more doing the uh, just sort of the standard one where you're not on a, necessarily on a smart trainer and you don't necessarily have to do it on Ruby uh, so Bevan, you pick an age group first. I'm going to do overall age group male and female winners. So Nick Cosman from Canada did a 137.40. Now let me have a look at his little stats here, John. So if I pull up his little stats here, he ran for 6.2 mile, 10K, 34.11. That's pretty decent. Then cycled 54.33 and then ran an 8.56 to take the overall win in all age groups. 8.56, that's sub three minute Ks. So put that in perspective, that's quicker than what Mike Phillips ran at the weekend who who won the males pro race he did 8.59 I think jeez that's and, fast running and, and fast uh, Manuel Zeus from Germany took out the females race in a 159.32 and we have a look at her splits she did a run of 40.40 the 40 minutes and 40 seconds a cycle of 107.30 and then she ran 11.22 and she was in the 40 to 44 age group 43 and she, she won, won overall. overall nice yeah, work love your work I'll have a look at the men's 50-54. Martin Kleinjam from the Netherlands took that out in 1 hour 52.05. He, come on, interweb, work with us, work with us. He ran a 36.11 for his 10K, 10.09 for his 3K, and rode a 105. I'll do one other age group here, Bevan. I'm doing 30, I'll do 34-34. So, did you do what? Hey, I'm 50-54. I'm, I'm okay, so I've got Nikki Kerwin from Great Britain. Britain. She did a 2.04. She ran a 44.33, cycled 107.43, and then ran an 11.44. And then on the male sides in this category, uh, Neil Eddy, he took it out in a 142. I think he got third overall as well. Um, a 142.26. He ran a 33.33. Biked at 59.33 and then ran a 9.20. Love your work, Neil. Nice work. Uh, the 50-54 females, Tanya Houghton from the States, took it out. She went 43-17 for her last run, 107-52 on the bike and 12-27 on the run. Uh, close racing between first and second there, only 40 seconds in it. Then there was a whopping big nine-minute gap back to third. So, uh, yeah. Oh, in general, lots of close racing. Um, Got to take all this stuff, whether it be Zwift racing, Ironman VR stuff with a grain of salt because everybody's power meters or smart trainers all operate a little bit differently. Uh, so it's fantastic training. Absolutely love it for getting fit and for having a competitive environment. But you just got to take it all. It is what it is, John. It is what it is. And I mean, uh, virtual reality series, championship series, competition for me has been announced for the next period of time. No, 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 no. no. Oh, what's this? That's that's what we've just had. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, um, uh, what's going to be interesting is what's going to happen now. So, I haven't seen the announcements. It's Tuesday in New Zealand, um, Monday, obviously elsewhere in the world, and there hasn't been an announcement on what's going to be happening next, as far as I can see. So, that was the 13th week. Oh, okay. Of, there we go. That was the last of. Okay. Last of. Yep. So, that, that was the 13th week of racing. And yeah, they haven't announced, as of today, any the the, the next plans. Uh, I think people, given in the Northern Hemisphere, it's. 
summer and most people can ride outside now I kind of my gut feeling is it's just getting a little bit tired doing it week after week after week after week and people are kind of wanting to be getting outside obviously there's still no racing so I'm just be interested to see what the next steps they take are um, whether they, they carry on it? it was interesting because we through the lockdown in New Zealand with my running business I did a challenge that went for six weeks mm-hmm. how long were we locked down for? About eight, nine weeks, weren't we? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so one challenge, it was like literally you have to run so much a week. And then after that, I had to do a whole new challenge. And I did this one that was more of a points-based challenge. And it worked, but got people engaged. It was really great. But they were definitely a bit over it by the end of it. Yeah. And we were lucky we could get back to normal kind of Mm. participation of not what we normally do. Uh, But there is this thing of, seems exciting at first, kind of into it. Oh, yeah. And now a bit like, oh. Yeah, so I, I'm the same. I did a six race series on Zwift with Triathlon New Zealand, and at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I need. To, I, I loved it, um, but so I need to, have, need to have a bit of a break now and do something else for a few weeks. Um, so yeah, I think uh, we'll wait and see what happens. But I think they maybe just need to cool their jets for a couple of weeks. I think you know the good bits about this for the pros, it's given them some dollars and a platform to to race. So I think that's fantastic. Yep. Age groupers giving you that competitive element with a grain of salt um, <clears throat> and I think even if you don't do it full noise it's a really good reason to actually go I'm going to do a brick session this weekend I'm yeah. going to do a run bike run so it's a, it's a good training tool um, and I think I've got to applaud Ironman in terms of trying to be a bit more innovative uh, as I've gone through the series with the pro race by trying to add on little power ups and, and, and little um, watt bombs and stuff to try to make it interesting having to the team component to it having a handicap stuff and so on so they've been trying to be as innovative as you can to make a 40k TT which is a pretty bloody boring event um, exciting probably the one thing that I'd really like to see if they're going to carry on with this from a pro perspective is to have more pros racing Um, they've typically only got three or four Um, why not open it up and have you know 20 odd pros and then it might be uh, a little bit more exciting because the difference with Zwift difference with Ruby as opposed to Zwift is there's no drafting so you don't necessarily have that rolling round of the pack the whole yeah, which, which makes a bit of racing, doesn't it? But then I suppose it makes it a bit boring if, if someone gets ahead. And if someone's dominating. So you need a bigger field. Mm. Yeah. So I think that'll be cool. So in terms of the, the results for the pros over the weekend, um, it was a Kiwi domination. It was Kiwis versus Australia, and we came out on top. Teresa Adam had a very pedestrian uh, 3K run. She only went 11.41. So that's not particularly fast. You know, it's a little bit under four-minute Ks. She's a lot quicker than that. Do you think maybe slight injury? Uh, possibly or uh, great confidence in her bike leg knowing that she's up against people that are weaker than her she has been destroying everybody on the bike uh, online and we know she's an extremely strong cyclist so maybe maybe it's injury maybe she was smoked she did a she did a z pro race uh, on zwift maybe even been the day before i'm not sure okay um but anyway she still came out on top she ran 11:41 and then rode a 58:21 beating out amelia watkinson also a kiwi and grace thick in third mike phillips uh went 8:57 for his first run uh, it was quite funny here dylan mcneese filming him because they're integrating some of the the run footage okay. into the coverage which is cool and Mike Phillips is out there spanking it on, on roads we know down here in Christchurch and he finished in a place called Redcliffs which is where I was brought up outside this cafe and Dylan McNeese didn't stop in time and sort of crashed and the camera went crashing <laughs> to the ground it was quite comical it was, uh, it was good good so Mike Phillips uh, also crushed the bike leg to win by a couple of minutes over Tim Van Burkle and Cam Brown uh, uh, still can keep his hold his own at 
you know, half Ironman and Ironman, but in short course stuff, he's uh, he's never going to stand a pace. chance against these fellas. Uh, yeah. so he was a fairly distant third place. We also had uh, some, some Zwift Pro Racing and Therese Adam, as John was saying earlier, actually won in a series beating Lucy Charles or Lucy Barclay. Barclay also got beaten in the Super League, which is interesting because she has been doing really well, hasn't she? She has. So yeah. in one week, she went from, I think last week, I called her the Queen of Zwift, and, and she has been beaten by Theresa Adam, but uh, yeah, she had two, two races on Zwift where yeah, she was still right up there in the mix. And it's only just, you know, it was a sprint finish that she lost out on. So I'm not saying she's fallen to pieces, but uh, she did get beaten twice in one week, which was not normal for her. And uh, also, if, if you want something to watch, the, the men's race from the Super League last weekend was quite, or last week, was quite interesting because they had the team component. Uh, so that came down to the wire. Um, so worth a watch, both the men's and the females race. There you go. I need uh, to stop, Evan, because this microphone is not where I want it to be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna strain my neck muscles as well as my hamstring. Okay, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause because John's not happy. Not happy. Here we go. Here's a pause. And are you happy now? Yep, that was a long pause. That one wasn't it for you, listeners? Yep. How's that neck? It's okay. You're gonna survive? Yep. yep. Oh, Twenty minutes. The cushion's not in the right spot. Oh, oh that's better. Hard work today, mate. Yep. I tell you, hard work. Yep. This week's discussion. So last week's discussion was what clothing or gear do others use that bug you? And I tell you what, John, a lot of people get bugged out there. Some weeks, you know, you put something out there that's going to get people fired up, and I knew this one one would. But I would like to temper it. Margot Southgate had a good comment. Reading judgy comments, so we, I think we all need to take a chill pill, don't we? Generally, well, well, have, oh, this moment in time. Oh, just generally, if somebody's wearing something that that bugs you, just take a few deep breaths. It's okay to be bugged. But we don't need to take things too seriously. Uh, Jared Bell says, leg slash knee warmers without arm warmers. Who has cold legs but warm arms when cycling? Agree with you there, Jared. Here we go. Nikki Sweetman's got people buying and wearing Ironman clothing that has a race in a year from events when they hadn't done one. Hydration vests on road bikes. Uh, people... It's funny you should say that about hydration vests on road bikes because that may well become commonplace in some races or any races that come up, as Iron Man have kind of said. So, Nicky, you might have to get used to that one. Yeah, and then aero bars on mountain bikes. That's old school, eh? You see the old, you know, the guy down the road who's got the, the aero bars on the mountain bike? Yeah, for, for the guys that do those ultra-extreme races where you're um, multi-day and you're just riding along shingle roads, I'd definitely have them on there. But for outside of that, pretty rare that they are required. Uh, Gerard Gorman, uh, no, Greg Gorman, sorry. Multiple gels taped to the top tube on a 50k ride. Agree with that. Good old Steve Diodonis. Uh, and this came up quite a lot. Wearing watches in the pool. He's got wearing the Gar- uh, definitely the Garmin watch in the pool during Masters and timing every 25 metre interval. And Lucy France has got, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I wear a watch in the pool, and I put it more to track the distance and use it during the main sets, but I'm certainly not tapping it after you know every individual um, component of the sport. Lucy France has gone, that's me, to pretty much everything. Because <laughs> Carl Esplin's got a pool boys for the whole swim session. Lucy Francis, that's me. Oh, Lucy, you're just annoying everybody. <laughs> uh, Clyde Rosanowski, riding in tri-suits when not in a race. Also, anyone riding in a sleeveless cycle jersey. Unforgivable fashion crimes. I only wear my sleeveless cycle jersey in Hawaii. That's the. That's about the only time I do it. Otherwise, you just get terrible tan lines, uh, Clyde. Come no, on. but oh, come on. What's worse, that or that? We s- so what I've done there is I've done with the t-shirt line, with traditional, because yep. that's a... It's a shocking tan line. It I is. think you're better off to have the sleeveless. That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I go sleeveless in, in Hawaii and things like that oh, to, okay, to so. balance things out. Oh, okay. Uh, Christine McKinley. Have you, you, it, 
it's a horrifying sight. Not so bad for triathletes usually, but when you see like Tour de France and Pro Tour riders, oh. when they take their tops off, if they're a pasty person, yep. and they've got brown, brown, brown arms and then just pale white, skinny, yeah. skeletal. Oh. <laughs> the grinder's got jangly keys in someone's pockets. Mm. Music playing from phones, not the earpods. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll do, you wanna, if you want to frustrate you on the ride, put, a, put your music on. Yeah. Certain attack will happen. <laughs> uh, Mammals wearing unmatched kit, hairy legs, and squeaky, unoiled chain that has to bust a gut to pass a girl on climbs. Uh, zip ties on helmets are supposed to repel uh, magpies. That what the work? Does <laughs> Lucy Francis say I do that? No. <laughs> uh, Ryan Bray headlights a, a light on the head on the bike. I'm not bothered so much by that, but Head- the ones that bother light, me. What do you mean? Like the frame. Well, when, when you've got it on your helmet instead of maybe on your frame of your oh, bike. Okay. Uh, so then especially if you're riding with someone and they've got one on their helmet, which I've done from time to time, and you turn to talk to them and you sp- spray the person in the eyes with your n- nice bright light. The, the lights that bug me are the strobe type ones. And okay. I actually think they're really quite dangerous. Um, but for, they're good for attention seeking. They're good for, for attention. I totally get that. But when you're driving towards one and, or biking towards Depends one. Depends on the brightness. They're, 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 when they're those really bright ones, they bug me. There's some pretty bright lights out there. Um, Brenda Del Campo. Yeah. Plus from the past. Anything they wash in heavy scented detergent. Mm. Oh, come on. Put a bit of cuddly in there. No. My wife loves the cuddly. My wife hates the cuddly. Oh, jeez. I come back from camps and stuff. So we, we have unscented washing detergent. You come back from camps and she just does not like the smell of my clothing when they've been washed and fluffy or whatever you call Nemo it. Nemo Helen Bryant's probably got one of my best ones. Perfume in the swimming pool. Oh, you know when yeah. you, someone gets in the pool and they've got strong perfume and you, yeah. and you it's, it must sit across the water oh, and you take a big horrific. breath. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one I'll do, and this is quite relevant because I watched something that applied to this last night. Darren Eaton flappy jackets. A, that's annoying when you're riding. If somebody's got a really flappy one and it's windy, it's very noisy. But from a performance point of view, it's just wasting energy. There was a coast, to, a little coast to coast documentary that I watched last night. So you guys remember the coast to coast in New Zealand, one side of the island to the other, roughly iron distance race and they had these two guys from Bondi Rescue which is a reality TV program in Australia which just follows some surf lifeguards I never watched it I don't no. actually know what they do on the, the show well they just save lives and have yeah. a show their day uh, and they came over and they were doing it as a team race and they also had Richie McCaw who's a former All Black captain and his mate Rob what not Waddell Rob Hamill I think it is doing it, is it and uh, I don't think it is no. but both Richie and these guys had these ha- these jackets on that had hoods and they were wearing them on the bike. And like so the hoods were like flapping up and uh, just catching air. It's like you're riding with a parachute on, man. Come on. Get with the program. Kelly McManus, social media posting every single workout on it. Yes. Some people into that. Yep. yep. Each their own if they're trying to get uh, build an audience. But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Last uh, I'm going to do last one more. Yep. Greg Gorman. Using a metronome in a group run. Mm, I've never, I've never come across that, but I could imagine that would be hugely annoying. <laughs> it would be frustrating, massively crap. annoying. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. That would do my head in. Probably the one that I uh, that uh, I've got for myself is race wheels and training. So deep dish wheels or, or any sort of race wheels and training doesn't necessarily bug me that much. It's more, why don't you save that for race day? 
and uh, then you get a nice little lift on race day. Always used to love that. Go from crappy, heavy training wheels, and then on race day, you've got your race wheels. Just gives you your, your bike's lighter. You just feel better. The sound's different. Uh, I just like having those little things to boost on race day. But Even you, what so a noise. You, you get frustrated if I. It's not so much frustration. It's like give yourself a favor on race day and actually feel a bit better. Yeah. Save it for race Mine's day. Mine's a bit more harsher. The person who doesn't know their smell. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, that person who maybe needs to get some new gear. Yeah. You know, because we've talked about the old... He's looking at me with a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a, bit of a wink. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Because smell, there's smell and then there's smell. Mm. You know what I mean? And then there's that offensive... It's 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 you know it's just hurting your nose <laughs> when you when you buy this person. But do you say something, John? I wouldn't. If it's a once you let it go. Mm. But if it's like, if it's a, a mate, it's like I just I'd and say and jest. Hey, mate, but if stink, uh, yeah. But uh, if you're in like a camp situation and you didn't know the person, you're a bit worried about upsetting them. Possibly not. Probably it's not. It's a hub on that one, isn't it? Mm. Someone in my life, this is, I probably shouldn't say this. No, no, no. But someone in my life who, who doesn't listen to the show chews with their mouth open, like quite a lot. Not just a yeah. little, you know, like, and they're quite in a high position in their life. And I mm. think the kind of person who will go out for functions a lot. And I think, is it my job to tell them? Clap them around the ears. Just, you know, because mm. it's not good, mm. you know, but, mm-hmm. but, but would he be horrified if I told him? Don't ever. You know, would you want to know? Like, okay, John, it's you. No. I'm, I'm happy for people to give me straight up feedback on things. You want like to hear that, that don't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 If I've got a booger hanging out my nose and I don't know about it, tell me, please. Do you know, do you know when I was with Annalise? Annalise and I broke up, and this is one of the reasons. Uh, <laughs> one time she said to me, You look like an embarrassment of your triathlon gear. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't give a shit about fashion. I, like, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm cool enough, if you know what I mean. Like, like with fashion, I'm, I'm, I've, you know, but I'm not going to spend lots of money on fashion. And with gear, we used to get given a lot of gear. Mm. Sometimes I go out, my coordination of my gear wasn't cool, mm. but I didn't care. I was out there trained. And when we kind of, when we started to break up, she started hanging out with another group of guys, John. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. the, the start of the end. Yeah. And they were cyclists, and they had all the gear. They were like, yeah. they had all the latest stuff, and they looked really cool and stuff. And one night she said to me, I'm really embarrassed when I'm riding with you with your gear. Now, one thing I'm good at in life is I don't put up with shit. And I said, well, you must well leave right now. Because <laughs> so yeah. if that's one thing you're worried about in this relationship, we've got, you know, you, you see you later. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So sometimes you've got to be subtle about how you talk about these yeah. things. Okay, this week we've got a discussion from uh, Arnold. And he's got, if you could live just one, if you could do just one more triathlon race in your life, which race would it be? So it's your bucket list race. One. Race, one more. One, that's it. Not, oh, I'll do that one, but then I might do this one, this one, this one. It's one. You only get one more. It's, I'm not reading out any comments from anybody that puts more than one. I was, I was reading um, on Reddit last night, they had an email and asked me anything from this kid who had cancer and he's dying in three weeks from now. It was really quite a, quite a humbling kind of thing to read because this kid, I think this kid was in like 20, um, had brain tumor like he was mm. you know and it was just a really quite a cool thing to read because he had quite a cool perspective on it but um it's that you're in that place mm. you know you're, you know you 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 know you're only doing one more triathlon in your life mm. but you can choose which one you're doing mm-hmm. 
which is your one race. Here we go. Three, two, one. Website of the week. week. Okay, John, you've got a couple of Red Bull websites. Yeah, so it's just redbull.com uh, and there's two little documentaries. I think I mentioned these last week. Uh, I think they were shared by the Challenge family on their Facebook page and just something to watch. Now, when on, you say documentary, how long are they? Well, there's, there's, there's one on Daniela Reef and uh, Natasha Badman. And I did watch that briefly while I was on the trainer, and that one was twenty. It was about twenty-five minutes, something like that. Uh, and it's just great to see Danielle, um, Danielle Reef and Natasha Badman together. They're both obviously Swiss, uh, so there's that one. And then there's a shorter one on Keenlay that I haven't minutes. watched. It's but yeah, twelve, thirteen minutes. So just a little bit of trainer fodder, really. Uh, so they're obviously Red Bull athletes. It's not a full-on Red Bull advertisement or anything like that. It's just uh, you know. Danielle Reef and a bit of her story and along with Natasha Badman. High production wa- as well. Yeah, haven't watched the, the Keenlay one, but he's always good value, so I'm sure it'll be good. So just check it out. It's on redbull.com. What do you, what do you reckon of the rest of Keenlay's career? How old is he now? Let's have a look. Because like, he's still high quality. He's still delivering high level. He's He's... He's like a, a you won't know Jan Ulrich. He won the Tour de France yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. He got did. second multiple on, times. Yeah, yeah. And so I think Keenlay is he win lots of races, and we've got to give him credit. He's won seventy point three titles. He's won uh, world titles, and he's won a Hawaii title. Been on the podium several times as well. Yeah. So I think he's just going to be another one of those guys you talk about every year. And if Frodo fell over, uh, I think he's one of the, one in the mix. He's well, thirty five now. Hmm. And, and, and I think Frodo's probably got one or two more good years in him. Oh, he says he's got a lot more than that, Bevan. Yeah, well, he says. Mm-hmm. What does he know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, history shows Frodo's getting an age where we haven't seen. So he, he'd be the, the first mm-hmm. person to go to the next level. Now, if anyone's going to do it, it's him. Mm-hmm. But Keenlay is 35, so he's probably still got another two or three years at peak. Yeah. You know, so if Frodo does kind of fall off the wagon, but then who's coming through? Mm. You know, but yeah, it's interesting. So, Fantastic athlete. So check it out on redbull.com. Yeah, I remember when Mecca used to, because Keenley came around when Mecca was kind of the last moment of his career. Mecca was going, oh, you know, we're the young guys coming through, you know. Mm. And there was, there, was a, there was the one year where Mecca and Crow each didn't do anything. Mm. Who was who won after that? Who won the next after? Uh, you had Pete Jacobs won one year, and then you had uh, Freddie Van Laird won uh, one. So maybe it was Jacobs, because Keenley won not 2014. Mm. And I uh, remember we interviewed Keenley. And he just said, yeah. And he basically just said to Mecca, yeah, we've come, mate. We've come. We've arrived. <laughs> you know, see you later, old buggers. Yeah. So good stuff. So I'll put a link to those on iamtalk.me. John, we've got an interview coming up with Sky Launch. Uh, and she is a pretty good interview. So here she is right now. Okay, team. Uh, today's guest won Ironman Frankfurt last year. And we've got to think, you know, Frankfurt... Put that up on a pedestal oh, because yeah. uh, outside of Kona, you've got your regional championships and Rot, and those are the, the big races. So also had some great races over 70.3s, but unfortunately had a bike crash before Kona. Uh, I've also got to say she's been doing quite a few virtual reality races um, and Zwift races, etc. And I've got to say her... Mike Phillips and I think uh, Andy Boucherer from Germany have got the, the top three in terms of the, the, the look for their, their pain caves or their, their lounges. <laughs> They're looking good. Uh, so Sky the Munch, Pain cave, this is a new thing. Yeah, Sky Munch is with us. Uh, welcome along to the show. 
Hi, thanks for having me, and what a nice introduction. Tell yeah. us, tell us about your 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 where you do your zwifting or your roofing, because um, as I said, Mike Phillips, he lives in Christchurch, and he's got a, a nice view out over our estuary and a spit and off to the Pacific Ocean. And then I saw Andy Boucher; he he was like in a um, a wine cellar with all wine these cellar. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. And and but yours is a nice modern look. Yeah, so I'm actually just in my front room uh we have a large living room front room area and um it's just it was empty and for the taking and um i moved my bike and kicker and tv and everything in there and that's where i've been you know going hard on zwift and uh the iron man vr race which was on ruby so yeah it's just it's in my home and I don't have that, that ocean view, which sounds really nice, but um, yeah, it is. It's quite modern and tidy. So <laughs> tidy, I like that. Hey, so give us a bit of a story. Yeah. A story about um, your career. You're a high level accountant before you kind of got into this triathlon thing, or at least at yeah. this level. So talk to us a little bit yeah. about life before triathlon. Yeah, life before triathlon. So um, I got into triathlon when I was about well. I started pursuing professional triathlon when I was about 27. So, you know, I, I did live a fair bit of life before I got serious. Um, I was really focused on getting my education. So I was always really disciplined, really good student. I worked really hard. Like I've, I've had a job since I was 15. Um, I started cleaning houses for people when I was like 12, you know, like just under the table, nothing official. So it's not like I was an employed 12-year-old, nothing illegal. But um, (laughs) I didn't like babysitting. That's why I started cleaning houses. Like, you know, most young teenage girls will start babysitting. And I just, I'm not kid crazy, I'll be honest. So I didn't (laughs) like babysitting. And um, I cleaned houses and I loved it. And I honestly, I I would still love to do it if it was, um, you know, a a better uh, career path. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, I was really focused on my education. I was, I went to university and I have a bachelor's degree in accounting and a master's degree in tax accounting. And, um, you know, I dabbled in triathlon when I was in university. So that was kind of my first introduction. I think I did my first mini reverse sprint in 2010, um, or 2009 maybe is when I did that. But, um, yeah, I was, I was into running. I did my first marathon when I was 16. So I've, I've kind of been like addicted to endurance sport since I can remember. And, but yeah, education took the main, you know, my main focus and I worked a lot through university. Uh, so yeah, basically I've said, I think I've said education and work 10 times in the last (laughs) few minutes, but, um, that's kind of what I was focused on. Right. Like I ran because I loved it and it was kind of, my therapy. Um, I just love the feeling of getting out and running. I, I, I was so busy all the time, like juggling two jobs and a really demanding accounting program that running was just kind of my release, right? Like that was the one thing I did for myself. Um, and not that school wasn't for myself, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's your, I don't it's, know. It's your, your escape. <laughs> exactly. That yeah. was, that was what I did for fun. Um, so, and, and I made good friends through that, right? Um, so sometimes it was a social thing and sometimes it was a alone thing. So yeah, um, learned about triathlon and like I said, I did my first little one. I borrowed a friend's bike in 2009. Um, and then 
yeah, I, I instantly wanted more, but like bikes are expensive and I didn't have my own. So, um, it took me a while to, you know, save up and be able to afford one. Um, sorry, I'm kind of mixing like work and triathlon here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, I graduated from university with my master's degree in 2011 and I right away got to work. Um, so I think I graduated April and I started my full, full-time job with Ernst & Young in July. Um, so I was in the business tax compliance group and I worked a lot and I was studying for my CPA exams, which those are like the, I think the equivalent of becoming a chartered accountant mm, yeah. Um, yeah. other places. So yeah, I just, man... I worked and then I'd like I'd run in the morning, I'd go to work, work all day into the evening, then I'd come home and study and literally I would study until I fell asleep on my textbooks. Like I'm a really heavy sleeper and um like I'll slobber when I sleep and I would just <laughs> fall asleep and just slobber all over my textbooks that I was studying with. So I just did that I did that for like 9 months cuz these exams are just gnarly. There's four of them. And they're just, it's just insane. I just, I had no life except like exercise, work, study, mm-hmm. um, which it was worth it. Like I got it done. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And then I got on with life and worked. I, yeah, I was a CPA at Ernst & Young. So, so um, there's that, that's what life was like. <laughs> so whereabouts are you based and where, where, or where were you based? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Salt Lake City, that's where I was working, and that's actually where I live now. So cool. so obviously for, yep. for an accountant to make that decision, right, I'm going to try to be a full-time triathlete, you've got that passion, yeah. you know, I really want to do it, but I'm sure you had the yep. spreadsheets out and we're adding it all up going, you've got to be, mm-hmm. uh, is this really going to add up? So I guess has it worked out about how you thought it was going to work out, better, worse, or, yeah, and, and from – yeah, survive a survival point of view. Yeah, and a financial point of view. Yeah, for sure I had no idea what I was actually getting into. Like 100%, um I thought getting sponsors would be much easier, um much more lucrative and not lucrative in a get rich sense, but just oh, like actually pay the bills sense. So mm. yeah, certainly I had my spreadsheets and my first step was to go part-time at my current job at Ernst & Young. So I didn't just cut it, all my income off immediately. I knew um, I knew that I'd have to be smart about this. And, you know, I still had to support myself. In the U.S., you usually get your health insurance through your employer. And I figured if I was going to be out riding my bike, I probably needed health insurance because, as many of us know, crashes happen or, you know, accidents happen Um, or even just injuries, right? So yeah, I was very calculated in the steps I took to, to becoming a professional and a full-time professional. Um, so I, I guess when you ask if it turned out how I thought it would, no, because I thought it would be a lot easier financially, but I've, because I'm an accountant and because I have that background and the ability to work part-time. I call it a side hustle. I mean, I still do some. It's That has enabled me to really pursue my dream. And, and fortunately, tax accounting and depending on the work you do or you know who you know and what companies you work with, 
you can do it anywhere in the world. And quite frankly, any time of day. So I've been fortunate enough to have contract jobs that have allowed me to still earn money when I haven't necessarily had sponsorships that allow me to cover the cost of triathlon and then some, right? So, 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 So currently you are still doing some of the accountancy work? Yeah, I, it's, I, I mean, I haven't actually done work since April. I think COVID kind okay. of has yep. slowed things down because I, I don't do a lot of tax preparation anymore. I actually do some course development for a company that does like CPA study materials oh, and okay. we have to do continuing education you know, as a professional. Yep. So we create these courses. So I help create those courses, which I really enjoy. It's, um, it's fun work. It's just, so it's, that's kind of slowed down. It's just interesting because often we've got, we've spoken to a lot of pros over the years and we, and we do get the, the pro like you who kind of has a career which kind of can supplement the pro life and you can get paid well yeah. for a limited time while you're in it, which is ideally what you want. Um, but then sometimes yeah. they like the fact that they keep that career and then sometimes they wish they could just go full on into the, into the triathlon and, and the result can be mixed they're like do you want to as you continue down your pro yeah. career still be keeping a little bit of the accountancy and just for your own sanity or do you think you need to let it go to be a, a better chair athlete yeah th- I mean whenever I talk to other pros who are maybe trying to make it still and I guess I personally wouldn't say that I've necessarily made it like I wouldn't with my current sponsorships um and especially right now when there's no racing, like I still make most of my mon- my money off um, prize money. And that's, you have to race very well to do that, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me with what I can do, because accounting isn't a physical job, I mean, if I had to go clean houses, I definitely wouldn't want to be doing that and trying to balance a professional training load. But because I can do accounting in my bed on my laptop, you know, like relaxing and just using my brain, um, I th- I think it balances me out and I think it helps me be more productive with my time. You know, otherwise it's really easy to just scroll social media or just not use your time wisely, not necessarily engage um, your brain as much, yeah. which there's some value in that. Like after, if I'm training for an Ironman, i Honestly, I don't want to do accounting work during my biggest Ironman training weeks. Like it's you're so drained physically and mentally um, if you're training at the top level. But other, a lot of the time, I think it helps me be more productive. And honestly, it keeps things in perspective for me that the triathlon is important and I love it, but I'm more than triathlon as well. So like, okay, if you if a race doesn't go well, you get a flat tire, whatever. Um, my entire self-esteem isn't necessarily tied to that, mm. but by all means, like I'm super committed and I, and I want to do super well in triathlon. And would I love to have enough sponsorship and prize money and everything to, you know, have my husband be able to quit his job and just follow me around all the time? Like, yeah, that would be awesome. But, um, that doesn't happen overnight. So anyway, we'll see. On that, on, that, on that identity thing, because, you know, like there are a lot of people, not just pro athletes, but athletes in our sport who yeah. triathlon almost is a bit too much the one-dimensional aspect of their life. Why do you think yeah. it's important to have many parts of the self? Well, I think it's important um, 
Yet one to just keep perspective that, yeah, life isn't just swim, bike, run. Life isn't just this one race. I mean, there's so much we can't control in triathlon. So if you're so hung up on triathlon, then you kind of put yourself at risk of being disappointed or not being fulfilled. But, and the other thing is, um, I mean, for me as a professional and wanting to race at the top level, I can't do that my whole life. So I imagine the day that I decide that I'm done with professional triathlon, I'm going to feel a huge void. Right. But knowing that there's other things in life, um, whether that's family or going back into serious accounting or, or whatever, like, I think it's just important to have options and, um, yeah, I think it's, it just keeps us, it's not all swim, bike, run. Mm. So, so talking about your swim, bike, run though, um, in terms of your, your progression, it's been, it seems quite, quite a nice sort of gentle progression. You know, if I look at your 2017 results, quite a few of your results there were sort of in the fifth to 10th sort of bracket. Then 2018, you sort of dropped down to sort of top fives. And then uh, 2019 was when things uh, started to to kick off with some some wins. Um, So sort of talk us through your progression and if it has been a steady progression or whether there's been certain moments or certain things that you've done that have helped you to sort of make a, a big breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been steady, obviously, through those results. It wasn't like I just came onto the scene one year I was 10th, the next year I was winning. It's it's taken a lot of work. And my first pro year racing was 2016, and I was working with a coach here in Utah. And I I had a lot to gain. I'd never worked with a triathlon coach. I'd never worked with anyone on my swim. Um, up until that point, I would just go ride my bike my road bike in the mountains as hard as I could. And, you know, I'd run like six to eight miles, which is like 10 to 14 Ks or so, you know, in the morning. And that's kind of, that was just kind of my routine. Like I just, I loved it, but I, I didn't intentionally train ever. So, you know, getting with a coach was, was great for me. Um, and that definitely helped improve my swim. Like I said, I never really worked on my swim. I would just go to the pool and like swim for 20 minutes. Right. I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to try to swim the equivalent of a half Ironman. And, you know, never hardly ever did any really intentional like swim sets. So yeah, um, I raced, I think I had a lot to learn racing in the pro field because one thing I'm always clear about is being an elite age grouper is so different. Like you can win every race as an age trooper, but the second you step into the pro field, it's like crazy how fast the women are and the men. It's totally different. So uh, yeah, I had a really rude awakening, um, racing pro, but you know, I was up for it. Like I wanted to get better. So yeah, I worked away at it. And then I think one thing that really helped me, um, in early 2018, kind of end of 2017, early 2018, I felt like I wasn't performing where I knew I could. And I was disappointed. And, you know, um, I obviously at that point have quit my Ernst & Young job. Um, so I've given up, I've essentially given up my accounting career, right? right? Like I still did side stuff, but gave up the prestige of working for a big firm. Um, I was spending thousands and thousands of dollars every year to do triathlon. And I just wasn't performing 
where I wanted to and where I knew I could because I, I, a confident person, I believed in myself. That's why I quit my job. That's why I went all in. So I took like a look at everything of what, what could help me get better and what I needed to do. And one thing was definitely like my nutrition and body composition and, um, fueling and all that. I, you know, I think as a professional, especially it's like magnified when you're training a ton. So I, I completely, well, I shouldn't say completely. I mean, I still eat ice cream, but <laughs> I transformed. I really, I really kind of looked at that, transformed that. And then, um, 2018, I went and trained in Australia, uh, with my friend Sarah Crowley and her squad. Um, I just wanted to mix it up. Um, I had a coach here and I just felt like I needed to mix something up and, Cause what I just kind of felt like if I kept doing what I was doing, it wasn't necessarily getting me where I wanted to go. Mm. So I went that winter, 2018, um, Australian summer, which was lovely mm. and went and trained with, um, Sarah's group. And by the end of that trip, I just really felt like I needed to change coaches. And that was, um, Cameron Watt. Um, you're probably familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, like he's he's a he was a great friend um, before then. I actually met Cam and Sarah in 2016. They came to Park City, Utah. Um, so that's where that relationship came from. Like I, I, I met them when they came here to train in Utah at altitude. Mm. So um, yeah, I just felt like changing coaching was my next step. I really enjoyed the training um, that Cam would prescribe to the group and everything. So. That I think that was a big step for me to move forward and really get to the next level. Um, I had a great coach here, but I think Cam was just next level and really knew how to get out of me what I had in me and um, just really knew how to turn me into a great long course athlete. And that was the start of when you'll see my results um, kind of getting next level as well. So You say he yeah. knows how to get the most out of you. What is that? I think not that I'm not motivated or disciplined because I'm a very motivated and disciplined athlete and I do exactly what I'm told. But I think just, you know, giving me the workouts that really help me get fit for the long course racing, you know, like, um, it's real, it's quite strength based and I'm, I would say I'm a more strength based athlete. Like I, I kind of thrive on those kind of workouts. Like, you know, lower cadence work on the bike or, um, I don't know, just, just the way the training is, it just really helped me get, turn, turn myself into a, uh, competitive long course athlete. So, and, and I, I guess getting the most of myself too, like on my swim, he gave me really specific cues, like, like foolproof cues that I, could they weren't confusing i knew exactly what to do and just like one or two at a time to focus on and then it's like okay once we've mastered this we're going to bring in a new one and i think that's been really helpful for me like i always have one or two things to work on and whether that's a swim or my run form or whatever um i think that's been really impactful for my success 
So just a summary of 2019 results. We had uh, a fourth at St George, which I, I think was probably the regional championship, 70.3. A second at Chattanooga, 70.3. Second at Switzerland, 70.3. A win in Frankfurt, win in Boulder, 70.3. And a second at Santa Cruz, 70.3. Yeah. But I'm, I'm keen to talk about... Um, uh, Frankfurt because that was one uh, doozy race and it had a few twists and turns. Yeah. It wasn't really a race that you you led from the gun or anything like that. Um, so yeah. for people that don't remember, this was uh, Imogene Simons was racing. She went on to get uh, I think third at the seventy point three World Champs, and you had Sarah True in there who was mm. leading on the yep. run, and then yourself in the mix as well. So it was a very 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 hot day. I was in Europe at the time, and to, to talk us through your day and and how. It sort of panned out when others maybe faded and you sort of came through strongly at the end yeah I mean a crazy day because any Ironman um starting an Ironman I think we all know anything could happen it's just such a long day and you just hope for the best but I never I I never would have guessed like oh I'm gonna win this you know I just went into it okay this is gonna be an extremely hot day um I think it's going to come down to who's smart, who's smartest, who executes the best in the conditions. Um, and Ironman in general, like it's, it doesn't necessarily always come down to who's the fastest, most talented, um, fittest athlete. Sometimes it, it's hundred percent like execution and mental strength. So yeah, the day, let me think back here. It's been a year now. It was a year um, yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish I was there right now. Um, anyway, yeah, so my swim, we can just do a quick recap of the race. The swim, mm. I, I felt like I was capable of more, but I didn't come out in a terrible position. I came out, you know, with like Daniela Blamal and Kim Morrison, who are first great cyclists. So I knew, okay, well, these are good girls to ride with. Um, so yeah, I swim went fine, got on the bike, and... You know, the, Frankfurt's a two-loop bike course. And the first loop, I was like, okay, this felt kind of easy. Second loop, I'm like, okay, um, Imogen Simmons is making time on us. Like, we weren't catching her. She was far ahead. Um, so I finally decided, like, oh, I'm going to make – let's go. Like, I went to the front of the group, and no one came with me <laughs> on the second loop. And I thought, what? This is crazy. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to go for it. Um and I didn't like bike my brains out. It was very, very hot. Uh, the second loop, my head started feeling so hot. Mm. Um, so I played it safe. Every aid station, it was like, just douse yourself in the cold water. Um, fortunately, the water bottles were so cold, they handed out. So yeah, eventually, some of the girls ended up catching me by the end of the second loop. I caught Imogen. Um, you know, so there were like four or five of us that ended up off the bike together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and the last, I feel like the last 15 minutes of the bike, my head started feeling fuzzy. It was like that fuzzy, <laughs> the heat is getting to me, and I knew it. I knew it, and I thought, okay, don't fall off your bike. Um, we just have to cool down. Like, the next aid station, take as much time as you need. Like, I think I slowed down so much. I poured every bit of water on my head, into my helmet, whatever I could do just to cool down. Cause I also knew I need, had to dismount my bike and I'm like, okay, we need to do this and not crash. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was hot. Um, 
Anyway, got through that, got off the bike, got onto the run, and immediately Sarah True just like took off quite fast. Um, she was in the group that we all got off the bike together. She took off quickly, and I was like, okay, yeah, Sarah's an incredible runner. I'm not even going to try to keep up. Um, see you later. And Imogen actually took off pretty quick as well. Imogen was a rookie, though, um, mm-hmm. Ironman rookie, and I thought – I'll be surprised if that lasts because it's so hot and this is an Ironman. <laughs> like, mm. there's 42 Ks. So I just went out at my own pace, and my coach, Cam, he said, uh, Sky, we're not racing the first lap. So the run's four laps. He said, we're not racing the first lap. All we're doing is eating and drinking um, to set ourselves up for the last lap. Um, so, you know, I was very conservative on my pace, and you know, if you've done an Ironman, you know, like the first little bit, you actually feel amazing. Yeah, you're off the bike, eh? Yeah. You're, yeah, you're off the bike finally. Um, and then you're not actually running that fast because Ironman pace really isn't that fast. Um, and you're like, oh, this feels great. This feels amazing. Um, and I, that's certainly how I felt. But I listened to my coach and immediately every aid station, eating, drinking, um, I caught Imogen by like 5K and I remember saying to her, I said, Imogen, we can just jog this lap. Like literally we can just jog this. And she looked over like, I don't know, she kind of looked terrified or a little overwhelmed or something and we didn't stay together very long. So, I mean, I ran in second like the entire day. Um, There were some out and back so I could see Sarah True for at least until the fourth lap. Um, So I knew she was ahead and I was, I was like, oh, good for Sarah. She had a, she passed out in Cairns like three weeks before. Um, so I was like, okay, hey, this is going to be cool. Uh, two Americans, one, two in Frankfurt. Like, that's kind of cool. Um, running, going along. It was certainly very, very hot. But one thing, I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it's way easier to race in the heat than train in the heat. Like, when yeah. do you ever have ice cups every K and a half? You yeah. know, like, never in training. So honestly, like it was hot, but I constantly was dumping the cool water, constantly holding ice in my hands, like down my shirt, um, putting it in my hat. I, I mean, the, I was just like in survival mode, even though I wasn't dying, but I just felt like I was constantly making sure that I physically was going to make it to the finish line. Just, just one thing. Um, just yeah. at this moment, so the competitor you had, had accepted the second? Well... Sarah was so far ahead. Okay. Like Sarah was so far ahead. It's 40 degrees Celsius outside. Yep. Um, Kona slots were definitely going one, two. So it's not that I necessarily wanted to be second, but I was like, Hey, let's just be smart about this. And I knew anything could happen. And I knew Sarah had issues three weeks before. So, um, not that I thought that would happen again, but it's like, hey, there's never a guarantee. Like, there's there's never a guarantee in Ironman. No. So I was just running steady, holding my pace, not worrying about what's going behind me, but just, you know, running what I was capable of running. It's not like I slowed down, right? It's not like I was like, hey, I'm just going to go easy. Like, no, I was pushing myself, but yeah. I wasn't going to push myself past the limit to try and catch Sarah. She was like seven minutes ahead yeah. um, at I think by when she passed out, it was like seven minutes or something. <clears throat> so anyway, I had no idea what was going on in front of me. Like zero idea. Uh, there were motorcycles around me, motorcycles, 
probably around Sarah. Um, so I was just running my race, keeping my head cool, whatever. And then um, I think it was like a K or 900 meters before the finish line. I see the lead cyclist on the side of the road. And I was like, that's weird. Like usually they will ride a little closer to the finish line. Cause you know, they don't go through the finish line with you. Mm. Um, I had a cyclist with me being in second place and I see this first place one. Um, so I just keep running and then he starts riding with me and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and he said, um, Sky, Sarah's not going not gonna to make it. This is your race now. Congratulations. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like what happened? He's like, yeah, I don't know. Like Sarah's just, she's not going to make it. He didn't have a lot. To, like he didn't have a big explanation. He didn't say, oh, she passed out. Oh, she was. I mean, I watched the footage later and saw what happened. It was crazy. But again, I had no idea what was going on. So yeah, um, suddenly I'm in first place, which is insane. Like here I am thinking I'm going to get second. Suddenly I'm going to get first. But then my thought was, who's behind me? Like, how close is the person behind? So I then, I'm like, I have to win this. I have to hold on to first. And the year prior, I did that same race. And I actually got passed in the last K. Like, Ooh. I couldn't. Nice. There was nothing left in me. So I knew, like, it's it's not over till it's over. So I just was running as hard as I could to get to that finish line because I wanted to win. Like, here I was suddenly in first. Um, so anyway, yeah, I that's how it went. And I just ran. It was pretty surreal um, and won it. So, nice. yeah, <laughs> there's so, the day. So, so other than, um, you obviously a, a good paycheck given it was a regional championship. Um, has yeah. it changed much for you in terms of, you know, um, sponsors or, or changed life at all? Or it was just, oh, sweet, that was a bit of a breakthrough moment. Got a really good payday. Obviously, you got your Kona slot, which you didn't unfortunately get to use. Oh, but yeah. but um, has yeah. it changed much for you? Um, I think, I don't know that it's necessarily that one result that has changed things. Um, but I think the strong results all year, I mean, you mentioned all those second places, but most of those second places were le like, they were less than a minute. A lot of them, you know, that I lost, <laughs> which is my bad. I need to look at, okay, how can I make up that minute? That's not that much. But, um, I think just having a really strong year when I lost, I lost to like Daniela reef, Sarah Crowley, uh, these, these huge names, you know? So, and I wouldn't say that life's changed a ton. I have, you know, I think my name's a little more known. Um, I, I've been able to get some more sponsorships or even, even just more like product help, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, <laughs> I think had I been able to go to Kona and perform what I was capable of, that maybe would have changed things a little more. Um, cause just mm. Kona is just so impactful, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. It was, it was a great paycheck. It was a great breakthrough. Got my name out there. I mean, my Instagram followers like doubled overnight. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's nice to have a big win and just strong results in general on the resume when you're trying to, you know, talk to sponsors and things. So, so what about just your inner confidence? Like, you, you know, you expressed earlier you are someone who backs yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when you turn yep. up to that stage, it is, you know, you kind of think of those matrix moments where you kind of see that you are yeah. of that level. Uh, what was it like for that? Yeah, yeah I think again, like yes, or last year as a whole, it was a, like, I, I completely had to shift my mind throughout the entire year 
that I was capable of winning any race I stepped up to. And regardless of his, who was on the start line, because you have to believe, um, you have to believe that you can win. And again, like Frankfurt, I didn't not believe I couldn't win, but it's not, it's not like I got to the start line and was like, Oh, I got this, you know, but I believed in myself and I believed I could execute. And yeah, once I think winning Frankfurt, it was like the feeling of winning. Um, cause then the next race I did, I won as well. Mm. So I think, yeah, it definitely helped my confidence and definitely just helped me shift my mind to believe and, um, know that I was capable yeah, of winning any race that I started. Um, so yeah, obviously, he, we, obviously, you, you, he had a really bad bike crash after that, which was a real shame. Not getting to do yes. Kona, are you are you sort of fully yes. recovered from that? And, and had there been racing now, would you be out there and mixing it up? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that crash was awful, and it, um, yeah, it put me out for a few months. But I worked very, very hard to get back. Um, not only my fitness, but you know, my functionality for a while there, I couldn't do anything for myself, nothing like my husband did every last thing for me. Um, so yeah, I, I was in physical therapy all winter. Um, so I broke my elbow and like straightening my elbow, my elbow will never go completely straight again. (laughs) But like, that was my, that was my huge task all winter and and the other thing is okay let's just talk about the injuries so I busted my elbow shattered my elbow broke my collarbone on that same side and then I blew out my thumb on the left side so the opposite side so that's why like both both upper limbs were just completely useless and my right arm just completely atrophied the entire arm because my elbow was broken my collarbone was broken like there was nothing Mm. so yeah, that it's it's crazy. Like I'm still I still feel the effects of it, but I'm totally healed. I'm totally functional. I was ready to race Oceanside to be honest. Mm. And that definitely would have been early, but like I just worked super hard Cam Cam as well. Like we just did everything we could. Um I really wanted to be back racing for the 2020 season and that I think that really helped me get through recovery. Um and not that we rushed it, but we made the most of it, certainly. And I think the fact that my lower body was totally fine, that goes a long way for biking and running, right? So um, it was just working hard in the pool to get my swim back to where it was. And, you know, now we're working to improve it. I mean, we're always working to improve it. But, yeah, if, if they were racing, I I feel like I'm just as good as I was the day I crashed, you know? So, and, yeah. and have you been working on anything in particular during sort of lockdown and, and obviously this period where there's, there's no racing? Yeah. I mean, you know, like everyone, when it all was, cl- everything was closing down, the races were getting canceled. I think we, we stepped it back a bit like, Hey, let's just chill out. Um, let's see what happens. And you know, then it became clear that, yeah, we weren't going to be racing for a while. Cause you know, at first I thought, Oh, Oh, my first couple of races are just canceled. Like, mm. no problem. I'll be going to Europe this summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just had no idea. So, I think what what we've been working on, um, we've we've kind of taken a focus on our Training Peaks trophies. You know how you get the yeah. trophies and yeah. And and it's not like every single session I'm trying to go knock out all my trophies. Like, certainly not. But you know, if I'm putting in a hard effort 
and I get a trophy because of it, then it, th- that's just like a little bit of satisfaction for me. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I've been doing a lot of the Zwift racing and the, yeah, I did that Ironman VR. So yeah, we've done that and it's been awesome. I mean, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my butt kicked, but it's really pushing me. I mean, I'm hitting power and heart rates that I don't hit in training usually just mm-hmm. because you, I mean, in Ironman training one and then two, when you're just alone, you just, you just can't quite get that level of pain out of yourself. Mm. Um, it's, there's something about being on Zwift with, with a bunch of other competitors. So, you know, I guess that's one thing we've worked on. And then now with pools open here, um, we're actually now doing a more swim focus in training. So yeah, that's, that's been our approach. Fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, we'd love to talk about yeah. plans for the season, but nobody really knows yeah. what the hell they're doing. <laughs> plan so. is there is no plan. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, if people if, if people want to follow you, you know, you said you, you've doubled your Instagram numbers, which is obviously where it's all at these days. But if people want to follow yeah. what you're up to, um, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm very um, – oops, sorry. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Skymonch. Monch is M-O-E-N-C-H. Um, so yeah, I'm. That's where I'm posting a lot. I I post regularly. I like to share a lot of scenery from my bike rides. I live in a beautiful mountainous area. So yeah, check it out. Fantastic. Check I'll, it out. I look forward to seeing you in the next round of racing. You certainly smashed that uh, VR race the other day, and and see you doing plenty <laughs> of the plenty of the Zwifting, and maybe do the, some of the Tour de Zwift. I see you got announced today. Um, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Ho- hopefully, we see you racing tries sometime later this season. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, you're rockstar. Yeah, thank you. I hope to be out there racing as well. Thank you. John, your thoughts. Sound like a rough accident. I saw pictures of her and she was in her hospital bed after that. And uh, A, it's got to shake your confidence as well as obviously the fitness decline you get from two months of doing bugger all. And uh, good to see her on the way back. And yeah, just interesting stuff. Going from that corporate world into triathlon, full full noise. But winning Frankfurt, uh, you might say, yeah, of course, Sarah True fell over and she was uh, she was KO'd. Yeah, hey, you got to race. That was uh, it's, it's all about execution. Yep. And, uh, and and listen to what she said. Early on, my coach said, take the first lap, easy focus on food and nutrition mm. and or, or, or fluid. So, so I've never really got. Maybe I sound a bit harsh yet, but you don't have a lot of sympathy for that athlete that completely detonates on the run. Oh, you feel sorry. You feel for sorry them. for them, but, but it's like that's part of the it's game. It's strategy, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so, she stuffed up her strategy. So. It's good stuff. Look out, look out for Sky on a lot of the Zwift racing. Um, and she smashed the virtual reality race a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, it'll be great to see. I'm really intrigued to see the, the level of cycling for some athletes when they come, yeah, when we come out of this. Yeah. Because as she pointed out, never been that hard on the bike before. Um, but a lot of people have done the same thing. So are we going to see those that have been doing lots of racing come out of this at another level? There's plenty of names you don't see doing any of this stuff. Uh, so will people have burnt themselves out doing it? Who knows? Um, we'll wait and see. John, just one random question out of nowhere. Who are we not going to see come back from the sport after this moment? You know, you think oh, of like a Tim Don? Yeah, he's he, he was kind of gone, gone anyway. Well, I think it'll be those older... Second tier pros, possibly they'll go. Oh, I was kind of on my way out anyway. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't think off the top of my head no. any any of the the top top pros, but uh, no. Yeah, but I, th- I think the the unfortunate thing it's just that 
one extra year yeah. for those for the likes of Gomez who are like looking at the Olympics and Alistair Brownlee and people like that. Just that one extra year that sort of tips some people over might tip some people over the edge in terms of performance. Not necessarily dropping out of the sport, but in terms of well, it's interesting even in New Zealand with the Olympic team. Some of the, you're seeing some of the older athletes retiring now because hmm. they were hoping that this, this, you know the the Olympics this year would have been near swan song. Uh, and now it's not, so it's just interesting. Mm. Uh, John but, 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 but we have written off a lot of people in the past, and they've come back and shown, gone, you guys don't know shit. Yep, <laughs> and uh, Frodo will be saying that when he wins his next Coney. So, Bevan, I was like, I told you. Yeah. Um, John Bo, you did a swim set this morning. This is our new section, John's yep. Tuesday swim set. John's Tuesday swim set. We will come back to Wanger in the week in a moment. Uh, we did 500 warm up. 200 metres freestyle, 50 metres backstroke, twice through. Six times 100, descend one to three, four to six. When I say descend, that means you sort of go steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard. So you're having some changes in pace. 100 easy so IM. That's what I call it, descend. So you're, you're still, I thought I'd call it increase. Yeah, it is confusing for a lot of people. <laughs> but it's just the swimming, it's, it's how you kind of brought it up. So you're descending, you're decreasing your times. Oh, okay. So that's so kind time, of where it comes intensity. from. So again, the, when some people say use the clocks, you know, when you're in the pool um, and you're trying to use a time clock, you know, so you might come in. The first one might be 140, the second one might be a 135, the third one might be a 130 or something like that. So yeah, 500 warm up, six 100s to send one to three, four to six. 100 easy IM. Three four hundreds again, descending one to three, so progressively faster. Hundred meters easy IM. Another round of the six by one hundreds, descend one to three, four to six, and then two hundred meters warm down. Three point three k's. Get amongst it. All you guys are getting back into swimming. If you just are getting back into swimming, I'd probably suggest you take it a little bit easier and do a little bit less. Because uh, I've know speaking to some athletes that you know they've had maybe had their first swim last week and they say they're dead after like 200 meters. Uh, their arms feel like they're going to fall off. So if you are one of those that are just getting back into swimming, easy mixed strokes, drills, uh, and just take it easy for a couple of weeks. With your swimming week, how often are you swimming right now? I'm only doing one a week. That's why it's such a highlight, and it's got a highlight of the of the week. Yeah, um, My swimming's pretty miserable. When you're in peak, what, what sessions are you, like, you know, if you think of training objectives for each session, mm-hmm. how, how, how often will you swim in peak training? Maximum three. I mean, in the ideal, I'd be doing three, and so I generally have one one session that's probably more endurance. a steady sort of endurance. You know, it might be like a, Steady state swim, Ironman pace stuff. So it might be like 2100s, 3100s, or long set 200s, 300s, but all at pretty steady speed. Probably one session which is going to be ideally more endurance based or open water, and then one hard so session. Just a straight swim that's long. Yeah. Or and then 800, yep. 1500 sets or something like that. Exactly. And then one, one harder session, which will usually be on my easier day, and that's when you're actually pushing a bit harder. Yep. Okay. Uh, Winger of the week. What number, right, John? Yeah. What number? What number? What number? What number? I'm going to say. Oh, I'm going to say. Oh, I want to go over 100. I'm going to say 15. 15. Yep. Barry Breffel. Nice work. Good old Barry. Bezza. Bezza Breffel came on. Uh, he was on Epic Camp Canada back in 2014. Had his wife along as well as uh, one of our massage therapists. Uh, so, Barry last week did one hour 58 of swimming. 13 hours, 34 minutes on the bike, 6 hours, 10 minutes of running for 21 hours and 43 minutes in total. Whoops, Barry, sorry, Barry was actually 14th. 14th. He's from Cedar Rapids in IA, is that Idaho? I think it is. And he's looking good, got some nice pictures up there, did a PR last week on the farm east 
the, the Lake Farm East Clayton, six, at six minutes and 12 seconds. And I should actually give some love to the person who was actually 15th, uh, Richard Morant. He did 20 hours and 48 minutes. And where's Richard from? She's got 28, 20 hours to get 15th. 20 hours to get 15th. Jeez. Hasn't got where Richard's from. Let's take a, some, nice, some nice scenic pictures there. I'm going to guess it. Richard's maybe from Australia, but that's just going to be a guess. I know there goes a map. Let's see where Richard's from. It's uh, great podcasting. Great podcasting. Yeah, people love it when you just go. I did see. I picked. He's from Australia. Oh, that, from, yeah, that looks. Oh, that could be anywhere. South is uh, beautiful. Pictures. South of South of Tweed Heads, so south of Gold Coast in Australia. Nice work, Richard. Okay, let's look at his stats. So Richard's stats, his fastest. All time. Oh, he doesn't got running stats. He's only got cycling stats. Oh, no, running. Okay, so his fastest 5K is 24-20-47. His fastest mile is one uh, 4.59. His fastest half marathon is 2.02. His fastest 10K is 52.16. Love your work, Richard. Love your work. Can't always say they're the fastest because my, my 5K at 12.42 is pretty handy. Yeah, so my, my, I only did a 13.47. I was pretty disappointed <laughs> that day. Um, anyway, let's get on to the questions. And, uh, no questions answers, but I do have to promote my other podcast because um, this week I, I released it yesterday and I interview new assistant All Black coach Brad Moore. Um, and it's just a great interview. So for those of you who don't know, most people know who the All Blacks are, but the All Blacks are arguably one of the greatest sports teams in the history of sports when it comes to winning percentage. They're very, very successful at what they do. Um, and Brad is a recent coach to that team, but he's just a guy. What's really cool about his story is he wasn't a professional rugby player. Mm-hmm. you know, And most of those opportunities go to professional rugby players. But he was a top lawyer in New Zealand in Christchurch. Um, and he started coaching and he just thought, I love this. I, I want to make this my life, mm. and and he does it. You know, and like now he's an all black coach. He was a very good rugby player. He was first five at my high school when, yeah, he, when yeah, I, I was. Uh, so, I and he, he played, played for Canterbury for our province, yeah. but not full on big all black professional career. But the nicest guy. But it's one of those interviews where, he, like, he came around. He's sitting in John's seat right now. It was oh, that's why the microphone was all screwed up. Yeah, because Brad Moore, all black. Yeah, yeah, he came in, he said, place. I own this place. Um, a, just the most nicest guy you're ever going to meet. B, it's just a conversation. Like, it's kind of talking about his career and stuff. And you know me, I'm kind of going, I always love to go deep. Um, but just some great insight in around performance and mm. high-level thinking and how to get the best out of people and the importance of community, even at those high-level roles. Um, so if you really want to listen to someone who's just a pretty high-level thinker who, A, has kind of chased the passion and found it and, and done it, and B, has helped so many other people in it, check out my podcast, Bevan James Isle Show, and you can go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, or look at Bevan James Isle Show on your podcatcher. Uh, John, let's talk about our patrons. We have got some fantastic patrons this week, and... I'm going to go first one. Yeah, because I don't know what the second one is. Um, Matt, it's Too Hard Evans. I'm not sure where that comes from. But, <laughs> I think, but, 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 I think s- we had a laugh on that. Slightly concerning. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, a bit of Viagra has been involved. <laughs> Aaron Tauntaun Nelson, and I do remember this one. Do you know what a Tauntaun is? No. I'm pretty sure... This is uh, the reason I came up with this. A tauntaun is on Empire Strikes Back. It's those animals at the start of the movie that kind of like oh the big white, white dinosaur yeah, type things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them got sliced open. And was it Luke Skywalker got chucked in there or Han Solo? What? I've never seen Luke, uh, Scott's, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, far out. I saw like, talking seen, to a wall. I've seen Star Wars. My dad let me have day off school to go see Return of the Jedi. Yes, I've, I've seen all the movies actually, except for. You still a DVD player? No, I'll try to. Oh, you haven't. No. 
You got a DVD in any of your com- no. devices? No. Have you got a desktop? I'm sure that must have a DVD. No. The desktop doesn't have a DVD player. No, John, we're not talking 19, 2000 here. Well, how are you going to watch my DVD then? Have you got the, have you got the DVD? We've got every Star Wars movie there is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Aaron. And I say that's the best one, isn't it? Oh, I always think Return of the Jedi was the best myself. No, I think it's an age thing. Mm. I think it's because we're the right age for Return of the Jedi. Because mm. Return of the Jedi came about 83, 84. So we're about seven or eight. Mm. You know, whereas we were a bit young for the other ones. Okay. But apparently the Star Wars fans, mm. obviously Star Wars number one, but, but Return of the Jedi was pretty great, okay. apparently. Um, anyway, the reason we called him Tauntaun because I seem to remember his picture. He was from Canada or somewhere like that, and he had a big beard and it had like ice all over it and stuff. So that was why. Uh, okay, well, we've also got Anit Lightning Lee cranking it over Australia. Okay, okay, this uh, team. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me, click on patron page, go through the process, get a gift, support the boys, go on a draw to win a trip to Cone of the Boys. Uh, and yeah, just really supports us and what we're doing. Uh, if you want some coaching, you can go to coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to get the show emailed to you on the front page of our website, down the bottom, put your information in. Uh, if you want to check out my podcast, again, I've got the great podcast with Brad Moore, bevanjamesisles.com, and other content such as Age Group of the Week, cool website, and other feedback, Podcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. Well, you're, you're talking earlier about um, being smelly and stuff. Uh, you got, do you smell? Well, I've got to be very mindful of that at the moment because um, we're getting a new bathroom put in oh. because it was kind of a necessity rather than a want. It was a want that so became you, a necessity. But have you made it? Have you gone all out or is it just replace? Um, it's full full, reef, full refit. Yeah. Nice. Um, because our shower's leaking and the floor was getting all wet and it was going to start rotting. It was like... We've got to do this. We've got. Unfortunately, we've just got to do it. It's not the right time to do it. Do you know? Do you we've know, got to do it. Do you know, so when we were in St Martin's, we our old house in St Martin's was like a hundred year old house, an old mm. villa, um, and we were starting to do up our bathroom because the bathroom mm. was pretty run down. It had two bathrooms, it had an ensuite, and so we did the ensuite had this bath. When you bought the house, you thought, "Oh, that's so cool, you'll use it." You never used yeah. it. So we kind of did up two bathrooms at once, and we're doing up the bathroom in the main bathroom, and I was pretty tired. And there'd been a bit of a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out when they went down to, they took the, the what do you call the bottom bit, you know, the bottom bit of a shower out. Yeah, shower tray. The shower tray. They said if, within the next few weeks you would have fallen through the floor. <laughs> like yeah. it was that rotted, the, 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 the joists and all that under the house. Yeah. They had to replace everything underneath it because they'd been leaking for so long. They just, it's amazing no one's fallen just right through the floor to the ground. We weren't quite at that stage, but that's the trajectory we were going to be heading yeah. in is if you don't do it now, it's going to cost you a lot more later on. Yeah. So anyway, so we had to have a shower. We've only got a one-bathroom house. And oh, no. So I nearly had a shower up here today, but I had a, I've been swimming, yeah, so that's mate, okay. Bring on, bring on. <laughs> and so and no one's, I think porno's the only person to shower in that room okay yeah we're sharing a shower with porno so we've got our local pool which i uh, use i go down there at the moment it's closed but i've got keys and you go in there it's oh. like being on back on school camp what Waltham pool yep being back on school camps freezing cold outside have the shower in there everybody else is going up to the in-laws but i'm stuck down there nice uh so that's the story of our life at the moment just trying to how long survive. is showerless about a week or well, it's been it's been started on friday it's going to be it won't be two weeks it'll be nearly two weeks without a shower so if I'm stinky I apologise in advance but I am trying to keep the, the keep general hygiene make sure, up. okay what are really important over the next few weeks is keep that Tuesday seat happening on the <laughs> <show>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tuesday morning swimming I'll be there and the other thing that I'll bring up is a little while ago and I, I conveniently let this sl- slip somebody wanted me to do that Sally up Sally down yeah. challenge and I conveniently 
just didn't bring it up and you didn't bring it up either. Well, so no, because I was injured the week I was meant to do it. Right. I did my shoulder that week, so I'm keen. Let's do it. No, no, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not having a bar of that. <laughs> but that being said, last night I got our group, our Monday night running group, and we started doing it. And I said, we'll just see how long we can go, which is also known as... So it's about three minutes 30, I 3.54. Well, that's how long the track on YouTube was. We okay. didn't get that far. I s- Did anyone get there? No, we s- I stopped it uh, after 1 minute 34, and everybody had had wow. enough by then, myself included. I reckon I could probably get to two minutes. I did be- it. And I, was, and I did it about three or four years ago, and I got there, but it was bloody tough. Yeah, I don't think I, I've got... I, it's the holding at the bottom. Yeah. And then pushing up. But the other way of doing it that I didn't realise was Nicole at the pool this morning. She said, I've never done it as a press-up, but I've done it as a squats. Well, that'd be a piece of piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm, easy. I'm gonna f- Holding I'm, a bottom squat, that ain't hard. Well, you're just a machine. I think I'll struggle. But I'll report back in next week. I reckon, I reckon if you didn't just stand up, if you just did isometric hold squat, mm-hmm. even, oh, even three minutes of squats, nah, that ain't that bad. I hard. think I'll struggle. How long do you reckon you could do a wall sit for? Not very long. We played that game on Epic Camp some from time to time. I wouldn't say I'm the worst, but I'm by no means the Who best. Who was it? Was it Louis, wasn't it? No, Klaus, oh, Klaus and Louis were pretty good at it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm not very good at all, set. What's happening with you, Bevan? Went to the Kaza, John. The Kaza? Casino. Oh, did you? Went to the Kaza on Saturday oh, night. God, I'm green with envy. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> tell you one thing. If you want to own a business after lockdown, own the Kaza. Really? It was perked. Oh. We went out for dinner with some friends and the Haycocks and the Taylors and we, um, every kind of five years, we'll do a Kaza night. So mm. we went out for dinner with Every friends. five years. Yep. <laughs> I'll book in for your 2025 one. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, so we went out for dinner went to a beautiful place called Dirty something. Dirty's, it was beautiful actually, beautiful kind of Mexican food. Um... And, and also, actually, the owner knew one of our things, so shouted us around. Sorry, I sort yourself out, mate. Oh, I'm just, just too popular. My oh. phone's ringing, FaceTime's ringing. So we went to, went to the Kaza, went in. Our strategy was $20 each. There was maybe seven of us. Mm-hmm. So we had 140 to start with. Started out. Who's your player? Do, who does he know to spend that money? Do you just have one person? What we do, do is we, get, we try to gamble together. Right. So we go to the black table and we kind of hand out a few chips and everyone chips on and then eventually we say, Jeff, you do it and so on. So we kind of, we, we started poorly, John. We went to the roulette table and we lost 40 bucks pretty quickly. That's your first mistake, the roulette table. Yep, carry on. Well, so then Marky Mark was playing with a blackjack. Mm-hmm. He was doing all right on blackjack. He kind of got, but he was using his own money. So he kind mm-hmm. of got up to 40 bucks of that. So then we thought we'd go pokies for a little bit. Gave everyone five dollars. Third mistake. Yeah. No. 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 John Newsom. <laughs> we smashed the pokies. I won one hundred and forty on the pokies. Yeah. And with worth, yeah, with five dollars. Yeah. Then Jeff won a hundred. Someone else won like seventy. So basically, within the next period of time, we were up like from one hundred and forty to about four hundred bucks. And then you went all the way back down again. Well, then what happened was we said to ourselves, "Oh, let's take our, let's take the original bet out." That first happened, and then we kind of said, "Let's." Double our money. Mm-hmm. So then we doubled our money. So then we played for a while. We played some other things for a while. And at the end of the night, we had 115 left. Mm-hmm. Of Red or black? That's what we did, John. Yeah. So we had 115 left after we'd already doubled our money. So mm-hmm. we're, we're walking out winners. Mm-hmm. Could not lose. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Went to the real roulette table. Someone said we're going black. So once you said that, yeah. we had to go black, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Put the 115 on. The lady goes, do you want this chip divided? I said, just give it all to me. I'm just doing one bit. And everyone at the table was like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> what did we went Black, spun around, started bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Zero. Black, bounced into red. Oh. So even though we double your money, you were a little bit disappointed. Yeah. So you'll, you'll be back. They'll get your money back off you. 
No, I don't. The casinos never. I've I've always won off them. That's what everyone says. No, no, because 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 <laughs> the thing about me is like on the pokey when it, when I, I won seventy then sixty, I was like I'm done. You've I'm probably out. you've probably got your spreadsheet tracking everything. Yeah, that's yeah. right, mate. You know me. So you need to go to the Kaza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go to the Kaza. It's probably the one place I don't when need to go. When you go to the Kaza, how much do you, how much, what's your limit? Probably a hundy. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'd love to go to the Kaza with you. We went to do it one time, weren't we? We didn't do it. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make a date. Is there a Kaza? There must be a Kaza in Honolulu. Don't know. Must be. Surely Americans yeah. love their gambling. Yeah. Okay. We have to do the Kaza. Because mm-hmm. I'd love to go. Because I, I love the place. I'm not a gambler. Mm. I'm quite happy to spend 20 bucks if I lose or I'll stop, but I can watch gambling. I could just sit there for five hours and watch people gamble. Uh, you get, if you gamble with me and if you're on the blackjack table, I swear I'll lose my shit <laughs> if you don't follow the rule, the blackjack rules. And that we talked earlier in the show about clothing and stuff. I don't get too hung up on that. But yeah. oh, you shouldn't have those race wheels on when you're training, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but if you're on the blackjack table and you start doing things that defy logic or just common sense my god you're in serious trouble yeah do you ever go to the castle of Belinda? uh very occasionally we don't probably more than once every five years but probably wouldn't be far off that oh, yeah. john you need another care tonight yeah you've been locked inside for the last few months it's true you know i'm hearing you and you, you could okay here's your challenge you're gonna do a case night next month mm-hmm. can you beat what i did i doubled my money actually it's my i'm gonna be down that way either this weekend or next weekend because my birthday oh there going you go birthday treat going to fiddlesticks it's just a walk down the road done there we go. Keza. Okay, so your goal is can you double your money? Now you've got to get 200 because you've got to for 100. I've got to get to 200. Well, that's what you said. Won't be a problem. You said you're done a hundy. Won't be a problem. <laughs> What's the most you've ever won? Uh, you don't win a lot with blackjack. That's the problem, isn't it? We know the, the, the strategy with blackjack. Here we here's, go. Here we go. Here's here we go. Your strategy. Here we go. You've got to keep doubling your bet. So if you put five bucks down and you get five bucks back, um, then you go 10 bucks, the next one. But what, you're going to lose eventually. Yep, but, no, but then, you, then you start taking your ch- I keep increasing, not doubling my bet each time, increasing my bet by $5 each time. So you go 5, 10, 15, 20. Then you might lose one, but you're still up, and then you just keep building up. Eventually you get there. So wait a second. So you win? So first hand, $5. win $5. So, what, so, you win. so then you've got to double that down to give you 10. Yep. And then next hand, you win another 10. And then you put so an you extra take five, five out. On. So you and take you put five, five on. Out. Yeah, and then you just keep going up. But then you've also got to. Uh, no, keep going, keep going. I'll, I'll start a whole, a whole, go, a whole podcast. But you've got to follow. You've got to read up on the rules of blackjack. When to split your cards. When to double down. All that sort of stuff. And it depends on what the dealer's got. The dealer's got a six, and you've got eleven. You bloody double down. If you've got twelve, this is where people go wrong. Oh, here we go. Here this is what drives. This is what drives you crazy. If the dealer's got a six. Yep. You sit on whatever you've got, or you double down whatever you got, because the odds are the dealer's going to break because there's more tens in the car in the in the deck than anything. Okay. So the theory is they have to they have to go anything under they have to keep going under sixteen, don't they? Yeah, anything under six. So the chances are they're going to get a ten yep. the probability, and then they have to draw and then they card. have to draw another card, and again, so the chance of them busting is quite high. Yep. And so if someone is some if say someone's on eighteen, yep. and the dealer's got a six, or, or maybe they're on sixteen, and they pull a card, it's like. My inner rage is it's at a high level. Anyway, that's enough gambling talk. God. Watch out for the next podcast, Gambling Talk. Yeah. We need 50 million more patrons to cover John's gambling problem. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.